podcast, a mindset podcast by students for students. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome back to the episode. And today we have a very special guest. I have another friend visiting the podcast, and I'm excited to reconnect with her and have her share her experiences, challenges, and tips for students who are listening. And her name is Ashley, and she's an undergraduate student at the University of Texas, Austin. And I just want to thank you, Ashley, for coming on and being willing to share your story. Um, so I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners. Yes. Hi, everyone. My name is Ashley, and I am from El Paso, Texas. It's a um, southwestern border town here in Texas. And I am actually a current second year here at UT Austin, and I am a public health student, and I am just so excited to be here. Thank you so much, Jackie. Yeah, and it's it's so amazing because, like, I always forget what year everyone's in in their journey in college, and it, it sounds like you're you're a sophomore still. I'm like, wow, I'm so impressed with everything that you've done so far. With <laughs> you're just a sophomore still, and you've done so much, so many things. Um, but yeah, I wanted to just let everyone know I met Ashley through uh, the Haku National Internship Program in DC last summer, and I'm glad that we've met and we connected over that experience. And she also has a podcast called Unscripted University, where she does uh, interviews with other non-traditional students. And you can also fi find it on Spotify. I'll leave all that information in the description so you can go check it out and listen to other students' stories too, because I think there's so much like goodness that you're creating on your platform. Ah, thank you. Yes, thank you, thank you. And for the listeners out there, would you mind taking us through your journey as a student and along the way, how that inspired you or what inspired you to create your podcast? Yeah. Um. So as I said, I am from El Paso, Texas, which is a small border town. I am um, a first-gen student. I'm a first-gen high school grad, and I am also a first-gen um, college student, so a lot of firsts for me and my family, but um, when I say that, I don't kind of take it upon myself to be like, oh, like, those are all my accolades, but they're really my families. I mean, I wouldn't have the opportunity to be doing everything that I've done and everything that I am doing without them and their sacrifice, so um. Yes, I have always been interested in medicine because ever since I was younger, since I can remember, um, my dad has had several conditions and several illnesses that kind of um, reflected the scarcity of medical professionals within our community, as well as healthcare equity and accessibility. So when I saw that, I not only saw the effect it had on my dad's health, but as well as, you know, my mother being the support system, it was very infuriating and frustrating to see how much they had to struggle just to, you know, get an appointment or get some sort of medical service. Um, so I kind of took it upon myself to look into medical professions. And in high school, I attended what is called a uh, medical magnet high school. So I took, you know, your medical terminology, your intro to like uh, medical history. So I submerged myself into that and it was wonderful. It was a great experience. At the end of it, I mean, not only did I have a high school diploma, I was a certified pharmacy technician. I was also a certified medical billing and coding specialist. And so, you know, that was all great and wonderful until 
um a great mentor of mine who is actually one of my coaches um kind of asked me like so what are you doing after this and I was like girl what like what do you mean what am I doing after this and she's like yeah like college and I mean I had always known I needed to go to college but it never kind of came about I was like oh I want to go um like I knew I didn't want to stay home I knew I wanted to go out and explore but all I knew was home so I was kind of like well I guess I'm just gonna stay here I mean nothing wrong with staying you know home for university or your higher education or whatnot I mean that in itself is an accomplishment um but I just I just knew there was more to it than staying for myself at least and so she kind of guided me into looking at universities and there would be days where she would kind of sit down with me and show me pamphlets and booklets and websites and all these things of all these universities and at first I was like oh I'll just stay in Texas um you know proximity and whatnot and then she kind of opened my eyes to a world of just higher education across the country and I started looking at universities I thought I would never be able to even like you know come near their students um potential and so senior year I started applying to colleges and universities um and I don't know I like I it was really weird I couldn't stop applying and so I ended up applying to about a hundred institutions I got accepted into 90, um, waitlisted at five, and the other five were rejections. And it was really funny because my my parents were like, why are you doing all this? And I was like, I don't know. But like, I think now looking back, I kind of did it for my family. Like each acceptance, like didn't just have my name on it or each waitlist, even the rejections, like it didn't just have my name on it. Like it had their name on it too. Um, so I would spend hours doing essays, you know, just looking at these schools and I was like, wow, like, um, I can see myself here. I want to be here. I want to do this, like, you know, all these things. And it was during COVID. So I had to do all these things virtual, like info sessions and whatnot, but I made the best out of it. And so, um, when it really came down to it and being realistic, um, well, I mean, I guess realistic is not the right word because I mean, anything is possible, but I guess just what felt right for me, um, UT was the only school that flew me out to come visit campus and I could genuinely see myself here. Um, it's a great distance from home. I'm still in Texas and I was going to be taken care of. And I knew that, um, the opportunities here were going to be remarkable and they were going to invest in me as much as I invested in them. So... I decided, you know, UT was going to be my home for the next four years, and they've been wonderful. I mean, um, they even have gone as far as go down to El Paso to host events, to meet my parents, and I mean, that won my parents over because, you know, as your typical immigrant parents or, you know, just like your Hispanic parents in general, they were very scared, um, especially, I think, my mom a little bit more um, with being the youngest of five. I um I'm the last one and I am the first one to do any of this so it was all new to everyone you know the FAFSA the SATs everything applications not only was it new to me but it was new to them and you know at the same time it's a blessing and a curse because 
you know, I get to lay that new foundation and that new legacy for my family. But at the same time, I really don't have anyone to run to, to be like, what is an EFC? What is like this part of this application? What is a fly-in program? What is um registering for classes? Like, I don't know any of this. So I've had to, you know, advocate a lot for myself, ask questions. It's always okay to ask questions. And just surround myself with a really good support system. And along the way, you know, my parents have gotten to learn with me, which has been wonderful. And now, you know, my mom with her friends and their kids going into college, she's like, oh, yeah, my daughter did that. Oh, yeah, I know what that is. So like at the same time, she's like she's sharing the wealth, you know, she'll be like, oh, yeah, you got to do it like this and like that. And I'm like, "Okay, okay." So like it makes me really happy that although, you know, I am the last one of um, their kids to go off like they're still able to share that with people and they genuinely were interested in learning and now like they get to share that with everyone else and I just think it's wonderful so I come into college um, fall 22 and I declare as a pre-med um, public health student <clears throat> because as I said you know medicine was my life and I want to go to med school and I was going to be a, a neurologist and, you know, I was going to rock that. And I took my first couple of intro to science classes and indeed they humbled me. They humbled me big time. And I mean, nothing wrong with, you know, kind of uh, taking a step back. And I was like, OK, like I actually have to, you know, buckle down, study and like do what I need to do. Um, and it was fine. I mean, I had a pretty good first year, you know, aside from the homesickness, the very big imposter syndrome, um, and just a lot of second guessing my first semester. But I was able, you know, to find resources on campus, ask for help, surround myself with great friends, great mentors, which are essential. And, um, yeah, so um, a year ago, you know, I had a better second semester. I Things were looking up, and I was just excited. And then I ended up getting the internship at the National Institutes of Health, where I was able to meet Jackie through Hospu. And it was wonderful. And in a way, it may sound cliche, but it was life-changing for me. Um, I went off for about 12 weeks, and... I learned so much. I met so many beautiful people like Jackie and everyone else and the experiences were priceless. And I was living on my own for the first time, the farthest I had ever lived from my family. And was it scary? Oh my gosh, yes. Like so scary. I remember getting dropped off at the airport and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. Like, this is so, I don't know. I don't know. And my parents were like, yes, like if anyone, it's you, like you've done so much already. Like, this is just another opportunity that comes your way and you're going to take advantage of it. So I went, I made the most of it. And it was, it's been one of the best experiences I've ever had the privilege of living. And at the NIH, I served as a language interpreter and it was awesome. Like the staff there was amazing. Um, I got to see a lot of, you know, like my family, my friends represented in the patient population I was serving, which were a lot of Central America, Latin America patients. And just hearing their stories, you know, um, getting to hear them speak their native language, our native language, and um, being able to fill in that uh, language barrier and that scarcity of like equity was really insightful for me and gave me the humanitarian aspect of healthcare, 
which was really, really cool, especially, you know, at this really large research center working for the government um, at 19. Uh, yeah, at 19. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, I can't believe this is my life. Um, but at the same time, I was like, I don't think being a doctor is for me anymore. Um, I got to do a lot of shadowing with the physicians sitting in on, you know, procedures and consults and treatments and whatnot. And I was like, I'm just an intern. <laughs> and there was days where I would kind of just sit there and feel like a robot. Like I wasn't giving myself time to process, you know, these pretty hard cases of illnesses and diagnoses that were life-changing for them. Um, some of them knew that they were never going to get better. Um, there was days that were amazing and, you know, they were 100% cured, there was other days where I would have to tell them you have X, Y, Z and there's no treatment for it. Um, and I think especially with younger patients, I wanted to go into pediatrics. And when I would have to sit there in the pediatric unit and like tell these parents or tell these families, like your child is never going to get better. Um, your child's going to have to live with this forever. Um, I was like, I just did this for like five minutes and I want to make a lifetime out of this. Like, I can't, I can't. And I felt like a robot, you know, I wasn't, pro I wasn't processing my emotions and I would just get home at the end of the day. And I was like, oh my gosh, like sometimes I would just cry. And I was like, I can't, like, I don't think this is for me. Um, It's a beautiful profession. I admire anyone that goes through with it. But I was like, I don't think this is for me. And um, while in DC, I mean, what better place than DC, but to be introduced to reform. Um, I attended, you know, conferences and whatnot, expos for graduate school, and I was like, this is cool. I like this. And it's still healthcare. Um, I still get to be immersed in healthcare, but making a difference on a bigger spectrum and um, working, I think, from within out so that, you know, these physicians and these medical professionals can, can um, use these guidelines and policies. So when I came back, um, for my sophomore year, I went ahead and dropped pre-med, which was a very scary decision, a tough conversation with my family, but nonetheless, they were extremely supportive. They just want the best for me, and I really, 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 really appreciate that. I know it's a, uh, it's a privilege to have that. Not everyone is fortunate to have that, and they were completely understanding. They knew that, you know, this experience of the internship had opened my eyes to bigger and better things, um, new things, and they were supportive of it. And so now I am looking at more policy and reform type of things um, within public health and just making the healthcare system more equitable, especially here in Texas. Um, there's a lot of issues that need to be addressed. And, um, you know, working in D.C. helped me see that, especially on like a bigger spectrum. So um yeah and you know campus life here has just been amazing too I've been able to find a community which is extremely important and you know retaining your experience here at um a higher education institution um and finding community and finding your home away from home and finding a safe space and you know um the support I've been able to have here from my professors has been amazing especially as a first-gen student there's a lot of imposter syndrome um, a lot of self-doubt and just, it's, it's scary, it's very scary, but I wouldn't have done it any other way, um, and it's just an experience I'm always going to remember, so yeah, that's my long, long-winded way 
I'm talking about <laughs> my experience. Thank you for sharing, Ashley. And I've heard so many things in your experience that are very similar to mine. As I heard you say you were, uh, you know, not only first gen, but also the first one in your family to go to higher education, which I can relate to that. And there's so much pressure on your shoulders with learning all the systems and doing it on your own. But I'm glad that you mentioned you had a good coach and a mentor to help you throughout that process and expand your horizon a little bit on what the possibilities were and applying to so many universities and, you know, taking that risk, <clears throat> you know, to visit, fly over, check it out, and also taking the risk for the summer internship with the National Institute Institutes of Health, as well with dropping pre-med. There's just so many things that you've been like faced with and you've faced it head on. So I just want to say that, you know, congrats with with your trajectory and just how you handle things as well. So thank you for sharing your experience. And um, I'm sure people listening can also identify with some things like the self-doubt, imposter syndrome, and uh, not having enough support and having to look for it yourself. Uh, a lot of barriers that I think non-traditional students face. Since, um, And you also touched on community and how that's really important for you as well as mentorship. So I wanna ask you, um, who have been your role models or your mentors and how did you end up meeting those support systems? Yeah, um, well, with being first gen, you know, and then my growing up with my father being sick, I grew up pretty independent. Um, but at the same time, like I never lacked that support at home and that love. Like I knew I was always loved. Um, <clears throat> so I think my first mentors, my first role models are my parents um that strength that I see from both of them the determination you know to leave their home countries and come over um with nothing essentially and you know just the the grit the desire like that intense commitment to following through that's what was instilled in me um in seeing that the sacrifice so they were my first role models, really. Um, and then going into high school, I mean, and I think during primary education, too, I've been surrounded by wonderful teachers. I think teachers are so oversought. Um, they're so, like, they don't get the appreciation they deserve, really. I was surrounded by amazing teachers since primary school, um, and I still keep in contact with them today they know, you know, they made a very big um, impact on my life, really. Um, not only in the classroom, but, you know, outside when it comes to like social emotional learning, especially at a very young age with everything that was going on with my dad, um, they were immensely supportive and they taught me, you know, life skills. Um, so then going into high school, my three um, coaches, I was a cheerleader in high school and they were like mother figures to me, um, you know, opening my eyes to higher education. They saw potential in me that I never did. Um, I always was kind of like, oh, like, okay, like, I guess kind of like that mindset. I think that our parents have like, not to, not to necessarily settle, but to not ask for more, um, to kind of be happy with what you have. Um, <clears throat> and I was like, this doesn't feel right. Like, should I be asking for more? Should I be like fine with this? Like, I don't know. Um, so they kind of told me like, yes, like you are deserving of everything you want. You have the potential to do it. 
And even when I couldn't see it myself, they did. And they would remind me and they would push me a lot of tough love, um, but I wouldn't have it any other way. And I still, you know, keep in contact with them. They are, um, they're just essential in my story, I think. And I don't think they'll ever be able to realize how much they mean to me. And every time I do something or I achieve something, there's like a little piece of them that goes with me because if it, if they wouldn't have kind of planted that seed, um, there's no way I would be here. There's no way I would have done what I've done that I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Um, they're just crucial in everything. And, you know, now within higher education um, are like, I think like the big, the bigger role models um, that, you know, um, of course, professors, I had my first Latina professor um, for my introduction to public health course a year ago. And um, UT is a Hispanic serving institution where we have 25% um, or more of our student population is Hispanic. However, that's not accurately reflected in our staff and our professors. And so to have her, to hear her accent was like, oh my gosh, like, this is, this is beautiful to me. Um, I can see myself there. And I reached out to her, um, you know, several times, just ex expressed my gratitude in that representation in introducing me to the field of public health. So, you know, she was one of the first ones here when I first brought role models here. Um, now, when it comes to mentors, I've been just so fortunate to, you know, in my self-advocacy and my initiative to meet just wonderful people. And luckily, you know, it happened in DC this past summer. And I've gotten, you know, to have mentors that are, you know, CEOs that if you see them on the street, like you just think they're common people. And I mean, when they talk to me, that's what they are. They're just like you and me. Um, and they use their power for the greater good to mentor students like me to pay it forward in our community, um, as well as, you know, mentors from federal agencies, mentors that um, are just so gracious, so humble, and just, you know, I, I aspire to be them. I aspire to be in that position of, of you know, leadership, of power, of, of whatnot, however you want to describe it, and being able to mentor the next generation. And if it wasn't for that DC opportunity, I wouldn't have networked with them. I wouldn't have reconnected with them and have had the pleasure, you know, to speak with them. And I still keep in contact with them today. And I think that's what it's all about, you know, building up that network and having, you know, not just treating them like a transaction, but as humans as we all are. Um, and just building that bond and that relationship that we all, that that human connection that we all crave. So um, yeah, I think mentorship, and role models have are crucial and essential to you know building up anyone when going up towards higher education or any opportunity really yeah thanks for sharing that ashley and <clears throat> as you mentioned earlier with imposter syndrome and doubting yourself a mentor can really help combat a lot of the feelings that come with that and as you said there's just kind of so many people that have supported you as you're taking your baby steps, you know, in high school with your cheerleader coach. And I think it's also interesting that a mentor doesn't have to be in the classroom. It can be at in a, a location as a hobby or a extracurricular activity. You know, you never know where you will bump into these people who can change your life. And I find that so inspirational. And 
I can relate to that feeling of wanting to take them along with you as you accomplish the next thing, right? That I think for me in starting community college, my academic counselor, I still send emails and I'm like, hey, I'm just giving you an update. <laughs> so I think that's that's amazing. And um, as well as the mentorship through Haku as well, right? The um, Whether you want to call them your supervisor, your mentor. <laughs> I also found that them to be very gracious, very human, um, which can be very, you don't know what you're getting into when you're going to like a big federal agency, like what, what's happening here? Who are these people? But they really are like humans and, you know, they treat you like a friend. And um, my experience with my mentor was very much in that way. There was a lot of like humanity behind it and um, just getting to know her on a deeper level and her picking me up in Berkeley and <laughs> driving me over to a site, to a project site. So uh, I'm glad that you had that experience as well. And um, that that's kind of filling you up for the next thing to to continue expanding your horizons and looking into grad school now, as I heard you mention earlier, as an interest that you have. And yeah, and I know we have, uh, we've been talking for quite a while. So I want to like open it up to you, Ashley. Is there anything that you feel like you want to share that you haven't spoken about? Something that you would like to let students know? Any advice or tips? Yeah, um, I mean, being your biggest advocate is something I've been able to learn. Um, I mean, it comes back to my parents, you know, um, they came not really knowing English, um, not knowing the U.S. Um, and, you know, their self-advocacy and petitioning for themselves and, you know, asking questions, having difficult and uncomfortable conversations. Um you know, being able to use those skills is just crucial and, and helping yourself. I mean, when it comes to looking out for yourself, when it comes to, you know, seeking these opportunities, when it comes to taking advantage of things, when it comes to having these achievements, it's okay to be a little selfish. Like, I think when we hear the word selfish, we're like, oh, like, that's bad. Like, no, no, no. Um, but sometimes you need to just a little bit um, to kind of, you know, embrace these opportunities and taking time to fill out those applications and taking time, you know, to ask someone for a cup of coffee to talk over, you know, their profession to talk about their experience or whatnot. So number one would be self-advocacy. And I also think um, networking, networking and just meeting people. I think a lot of people when they hear networking think of like supervisors and like bosses and like high higher up people but networking amongst ourselves as students I think is just as or probably even more important um because we're all looking for the same things we're all going through the same thing so wait why not talk to someone that's in your same position, um, who better to relate to, who better to talk about how you're feeling about, you know, whatever you're going through right now, um, than someone who's doing it too. Um, so networking, and I also think, you know, mentorship, if anything, um, being willing to meet people, even if they're not in your field of profession or whatnot, like, you never know who they know and who they can connect you to. Um, even their story, like if you're looking for that role model that 
you're able to relate to. I know I've been fortunate enough to see that and have that. And now, you know, from their story, I can relate. And then I know that I can do it. I see them as motivation and inspiration to go after whatever I want. And if I so happen to change my mind again, I know it's possible because they share a similar background. And I use that as motivation, as fuel to propel myself forward and saying, well, if they did it, why can't I? Like, I can do that too. I can do it in my own way. Um, So yeah, I mean, and even when it comes to the success of other students, I mean, I think it's really easy to see it and have some sort of envy or jealousy, which I mean, why you should kind of see them and be like, well, you know, we're at the same school or, you know, we're both sophomores or we're both whatever. um, And they're doing amazing. Why can't I, you know, we all have the same opportunity. We all have the same resources now here in higher education, wherever it may be. So seek that and use it. Ask them questions. I mean, if they're achieving these things, they're probably willing to talk to you about it. So ask them, never be afraid to ask questions. And I think that too, asking questions, asking questions that, you know, maybe you think it's a dumb question. There are no dumb questions. Asking questions that maybe don't have an answer to them, but you find the answer along the way and having those hard conversations that, you know, people aren't always comfortable with having, that people don't like to confront. They clear up a lot of things and give you insight and moving forward, you know, just communication being key. And I think at the end of the day, that's what all of these tips have to deal with is communication talking for yourself, talking to others, and talking at yourself too, um, is just important. So the power of your words is is super essential because you can build yourself up just as easily as you can tear yourself down. So that's my spiel. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And especially as a non-traditional student, communication can some be, sometimes be something that we're learning on our own. You know, depending on how we grew up and learning a new communication style and building yourself up, as you said, as well. I also heard you say learning to be selfish, right? Not in a bad way, but putting yourself first, whether that's, you know, your academics, your passion, your desires, your goals, your health, like making sure that you're okay so that you're able to, you know, be your best self (laughs) and put your best foot forward. So Thank you so much for sharing that, Ashley. And I also want to highlight the, like, getting to know you last summer. I really see everything that you're, um, everything that you're sharing here on the episode. Um, Something that really stood out to me about you was how open you are to creating community and meeting other students and also planning social events together and getting to know each other. I think that's so important helping create belonging, helping create acceptance within the community uh, and the university experience. And even just sitting in front of somebody and co-working with them, that can make a difference for them. You know, you might not be talking, but you're doing the same thing together and you're working towards the same goal, as you said. And it just helps feel more incorporated in that university experience, creating an identity that, yes, I can be a researcher. Yes, I can be, uh, you know, a grad student in the future. Yes, I can graduate from university. All these things that we might be denying ourselves and thinking that we're not good enough to do that yet, you know? So I really just want to celebrate you and <laughs> really highlight that I've experienced that from you myself. Um, 
and sometimes we can be hard on ourselves so I just want to let you know that <laughs> I think you're doing amazing and yeah I agree with so many things that you mentioned and share like a similar experience too and so I wanted to just repeat again um, where can people find you Ashley is there any other things that you want to share yes well thank you so much for the opportunity um it's really great, you know, to kind of reflect on on my journey here and kind of just take a step back to admire the bigger picture. Um, but yes, yeah, so I have my own podcast, as Jackie mentioned earlier, and it is called Unscripted University, and I am going on a year with it. So um, it's a, a little passion project of mine where I am able to interview um, non-traditional underrepresented students. And you can go ahead and find us on Spotify, on um, Amazon Music, and on Apple Podcasts, as well as Google Podcasts. And I basically interview students from across the country from all these wonderful opportunities I've been so privileged to have, and just talk about their stories. And we get to, you know, have some of those difficult conversations that I just mentioned and, you know, get to thinking about what it really means to have the privilege of going into higher education with our backgrounds. Um, so yeah, you all can go ahead and find us there. We also have an Instagram um, that you all can network with us on. And um, again, that's Unscripted University. And also if you would like to connect with me on LinkedIn, um, as well. So I'm always, always open, you know, to helping a fellow student, um, hearing out a fellow student as well. So yeah, I'm just so excited to see, you know, where this next generation of leadership and just of change goes. So um, so, so excited. And um, I'm so happy, you know, that yet another resource through this podcast that you have for our community, for students um, is just wonderful. And and getting to hear stories that we can relate to, even if it's just part of it. So thank you so much, Jackie. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you for being on and taking time out of your day, out of your Friday. And um, yeah, everything will be in the description. So you can follow her on LinkedIn, Instagram, find her podcast. Uh, she interviews so many students. So I'm sure that you all can relate to to other stories that you know often don't really get shared and you know you just hold on to them and you know you share with whoever's around you but having a platform to do that is so amazing so yeah I applaud you Ashley for also having that that space for students to express themselves and share their stories and if you're willing and open to coming onto the podcast talking about your experiences and sharing your stories please reach out to me and we'll be here next week bye everyone